From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And welcome, everybody. It is the Boomer and the Babe Show. It is 11 o'clock in Arizona, and it's a different time wherever you are if you're not in Arizona. This doesn't make much sense, does it? Actually, it's uh, time changed this last weekend. It's 10 o'clock, if I get my numbers right. It's 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and I believe it is 1 o'clock on the East Coast. And we're going to confirm that with our guest because she's calling me from New York. Uh, this is the Boomer the Babe Show. It is Tuesday, November 6, 2012. It is Election Day. If you haven't voted, go vote. If you're listening to me and you haven't voted, finish listening to me and then go vote. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, make sure that it's, you find some time today to go vote, regardless of what your choice is. Make sure you exercise your franchise. So anyhow, this is Pete Peters. As I said, Deborah's not with me today. Oh, but what's new? She's been very busy doing a lot of other things with us, and it'll be interesting to see if and when she ever gets back on the radio again. I don't know if we're going to hear from her. I think we will someday before too very long. She's not far. She's just not able to come to the radio. Uh, as I said, I'm Pete Peters. I invite you to go to boomerthebabe.com, see everything else that the Boomer and the Babe is involved in, including some of the things that Deborah has her uh, fingers on the keyboard talking about and doing with regard to the publishing and so on and so forth. Uh, enough said about that. I just want to make sure we welcome now my guest for today, Sandra Holtzman. Sandra Holtzman's Communications is the name of her company. Uh, welcome to the Boomer and the Babe show, Sandra. Hi, thanks. It's great to be here, Pete. Well, we're glad to have you. I know I, I alluded to your calling from New York. Did I get that time right? Is it 1 o'clock in New York? Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm really on top of things. And they say Arizona's backwards. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, um, uh, just a, a brief conversation. Are things starting to come to a little more normalcy in New York? Or I'm sure they still have a long way to go, but... Uh, is it, is it uh, abating at all? Is the problem abating at all? Oh, significantly. I mean, there's still there's still a few hundred thousand people in the area without electricity, without water, but um, it's better than the millions a couple of days ago. So things things are getting back to normal slowly. Well, it's it's nice to know that the officials, both state, local, and federal, are apparently are are doing their job and and getting things. Uh, Getting things back towards normalcy, so it's going to take a take quite a while, though I would imagine. So we wish all those folks uh, some good fortune as well. Um, I want to get into what we're going to talk about today, which is startups and things that uh, businesses, startup businesses, need to uh, be uh, be concerned with and be aware of. But before we do that, uh, Sandra, why don't you tell? Our listeners, a little bit about your background, uh, if you will, and uh, you know where you started, how you started, what you've done other than Sandra Holtzman Communications. Um, well, okay. Um, uh, I, I my background is mostly in um, actually literature and film. I have a master's degree in the academic discipline of film, and um, um, I've been. Um, I've been working for about 15 years um, 
a little bit in the film industry when I first got out of graduate school and then switched over to advertising because at the time um, uh, it wasn't uh, the film industry wasn't very um, uh, open or sympathetic to hiring women. So I wound up in advertising and um, advertising is, is similar in the sense that when you whatever job you're doing, um, you're solving problems. So uh, in this case, I would, in the film industry, I would have been solving logistical problems and in the advertising business was solving creative problems. And so I did that uh, for four or five agencies for about 10 years and um, wound up transitioning into pharmaceutical marketing. And somewhere along the line, you know, there's, there's always a little voice in the back of your head. I got, I got a nice raise every year. I got a nice bonus every year. I won lots of awards for the work and I, the work I did. And then I come into the office every morning, and there was just this little discontent in the back of my head. And, um, <clears throat> and it kept growing, and it kept growing. And um, eventually, not me, but someone else identified it as an entrepreneurial spirit. And so... Um, uh, I worked for most Madison Avenue agencies. I worked, uh, uh, or I worked for not most of them. I worked for three or four Madison Avenue agencies. Um, did a little work in Philadelphia. Worked um, in the in-house advertising agency for a large pharmaceutical company. And then um, uh, around 1992-3, I wound up working for two years in an ad agency in Philadelphia. Um, Great experience, great people, but knowing that after that I would use that as a launching pad to start my own business. And that's what I did in 1995. I started Holcomb Communications and um, specialized since then in um, doing cutting-edge work and um, mostly in the high-tech area, but I think, uh, yes, you have an expertise, you know the area, and and that's always an advantage. But the bottom line is good marketing or good communications or good branding. Um, it's basically the same rules for everybody. They're all tra- they all seem to be transferable skills, if you will, or transferable knowledge. I mean, uh, the, the the basics of sales is the basics of sales. Basics of of uh, communications is communications, and basics of branding is branding. I mean, it's it's uh, it doesn't make any difference whether you're branding dog food or you're branding uh, uh, rocket ships. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that exactly. It makes <laughs> exactly. And then in 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 Holtzman Communications, which I've had for uh, no 15 years or so, uh, maybe a little longer. I've had. Um, I've had um, a, like a lot of fun, um, worked for a lot of different clients, wrote a book um, called Live Startups Sell Themselves to Avoid Marketing. And, um, okay, let's, let's I, repeat, I, repeat that title for me, please, if you would, Sandra. Sure. sure. It's called Live Startups Tell Themselves to Avoid Marketing. Right. I saw that on your blog. Uh, it sounds, looks very interesting. Oh, thank you. It's um, it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, it's got pictures. And how we wrote the book, uh, my co-author and I, um, um, and she's also uh, a marketing expert, um, how we wrote the book was we got together and we said, wait a minute, um, we keep hearing the same things from startup companies. And it's and so it, it's always the same excuses. I'm, I'm, I'm okay now, but I'm, I'm too busy to do this now. And, and marketing always got pushed off. So we uh, we turned the excuses into lies. We wrote truths, and then we gave an example 
um, of the truth and how to combat the lies. Um, and, and most of these are lying to themselves. So I can read I can read off the ten lies if you like. <laughs> well, why don't you give us a couple of them for starters? Sure. Okay. Um, uh, the first one is the Kevin Costner lie. I call it. If I build it, they will come. Uh-huh. And the, the way we answer that is if you're not sitting around behind your desk waiting for the latest technology or latest gizmo or food or whatever to walk through the door, no one's waiting for you. Um, and um, I have to show a profit before I can market. I only need a website. Uh, one of my favorite ones is I know how to market. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can get the work done cheaper. That's a good one. Oh, that's uh, I- that is, some, that is something that we hear all, you're charging me what to do that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I, if you, I, and let me just interject something, because this is some sure. personal experience that Deborah and I have uh, have had. And uh, we have, Deborah sometimes, as part of what we do, she will build a website for somebody. And she will give them a basic startup website, and then if they want to start adding pages or whatever, and it gets more elaborate, she will will charge them accordingly. But she does. We never just we never just bilk them for money, uh, and we use uh, a very popular uh, format uh, that has all kinds of templates and whatever else, and it's a free pro- it's a it's a free product that anybody can use. And so somebody said to us one time, "Well, I, you use X Y Z," and I and I said, "Yes, we do." And she said, "Well, that's free." I said, "Fine, then go build your own website." Because I mean, <laughs> she says she doesn't she doesn't think that the expertise of putting it together and making her products and her business sing is has any value at all. Is just whatever the template should cost. And, and these people just some people just don't understand, do they? Now we we hear that all the time, and people say, uh, "Oh, I can get a website. I can get a website much cheaper than that." And I, I do the same. I have pretty much the same reaction as you. It's like, "Fine, go ahead." We don't use templates. We do everything custom, sure. and we're we're expensive um, compared to what people expect. And um, and what we deliver, which is what I'm sure you deliver, is something that you can't get from a template, no matter how much you pay or no matter how pretty it looks. And that is strategy. Why are you putting something here? Um, do you really need to say this? Um, what's going to what's going to resound with the customer? Um, you know, and it, it's 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 um, you know, and and then it's comparing apples to apples. You know, that becomes a big area. I teach entrepreneurship in a, in a few different schools, and a lot of times I'll hear, um, oh well, go to zoomlegal.com or zoom.com for free legal advice or cheap legal advice, and you know, sometimes you do get what you pay for. And if it's cheap, sometimes the person is not, they're not trying to build you, but they don't, they don't have the experience, they don't have the understanding, or they have a certain amount of compassion, and they go, oh, wow, this person only has this much money. I shouldn't confuse them with more stuff because it's going to cost more money. And they're trying to be nice for you and save you money, but at the same time, you could be screwing yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times you get what you pay for. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's no doubt about it. And there's, but by the same token, you can also give people a good value for what they spend, and uh, and have it be something that is very usable. And and it may be the point at which they start. It may be their jumping off point, if you will, for lack of a better a better term. But nonetheless, uh, it does run the gamut, doesn't it? The pricing structure. Oh. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you can get a website for five hundred dollars. You can get one for fifteen hundred dollars. Um, I had I had a um, I had somebody come to me, and um, he came from a science center in Pennsylvania, which is uh, adjacent to the University of uh, Penn and Drexel in Philadelphia. And he said, um, uh, "This woman referred me to you." And he said, "And I and a lot of people at Wharton also, you know, said." Uh, gave you kudos or recommended you, and um, I didn't know I knew anybody at Wharton, but um, that always tickles me. Um, but he said, I know you're going to be more expensive, but you're going to give me exactly what I want, and that's what I want. I want a really professional job, and that's what he got. And um, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's a, he's a rabbi, and he does, um, he does uh, destination weddings and interfaith weddings. Ah. So he does, yeah. He does his own bookings, um, and after he came to us, his website was up, and we built the website knowing we build every website, assuming it will last forever. And then, of course, you know, four, five, six years go by, you want to change it. Three years go by, you want to change it. But we build it to last forever so that you're not forced into a position of having to spend more money like six months or a year down the line. Anyway, his web, so we put his website up. It was up for three or four months, and he called me up and he said, um, I now have 60% more bookings than I had before I put the site up. And every year or every six months he calls me and he tells me how, much, how many bookings he's increased, and, they keep, and the business keeps increasing because of what we put up for him. And, um, and we, we like to do that for all our clients, and all our, many of our clients have a very similar success story. Is he franchising his business yet to other rabbis? <laughs> Not that I know of. <laughs> I mean, sixty percent on top of sixty percent on top of sixty percent. At some point, <laughs> there comes there comes a there comes a time when he needs some more rabbis. <laughs> well, he, he cuts it off after a certain point. But like, for instance, he called me in I think July, and he said, "Sandy, I've already booked more weddings." As of July of this year, than I did in all of last year. Wow, it's amazing. So, and he and he says they all find me through my website. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, great. Well, and I'm and I'm sure when he whenever he performs his services, people that are there know about it obviously. Then and they say, how did you find this guy? And they say, well, go to uh, rabbi rabbiswedding.com or whatever it might be. So. Uh-huh. It's it's uh, it, it, they find him through his website, but I'm sure somehow somewhere uh, between the good uh, search engine optimization that you've put together for him, as well as some of the things that he's doing to generate just by what he does and the word of mouth, uh, he's probably got a really great thing going on there. It sounds. Yeah, he does. He does. Let's talk a little bit about uh, market research and marketing. Uh, we have we're having this little bit of a discussion before with regard to marketing and of course this is your uh thing about the lies uh, the startups tell themselves um mm-hmm. what is the difference between uh customer focused research uh for marketing and traditional market research um well in traditional market research your traditional focus group um uh the uh, the client contacts the agency. The agency spends a few months putting together a script that a, a moderator, a third-party moderator, will come in and read, and they put together ideas. 
And um, and you can just go cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching all the way along that process. And then when you get to the actual focus group, the customer, the client, and the ad agency sit behind a two-way mirror. And you have um, maybe six cities in six days. And as soon as you put out all those um, all those ideas in front of the people sitting in the room. They're all preconceived notions. They're all um, they're all the fantasy. And I know that secondary research has been done beforehand. But as soon as you put that out in front of people, you're shutting down um, their creativity and their um, spontaneous response. And basically you're saying, we don't care what you think. This is what we think you think. What do you think about what we think you think? And it's cumbersome. Yes, it, it works a little bit, but um, a lot of advertising looks alike. A lot of marketing looks alike because of that reason. Um, what we did is um, we developed uh, a customer-focused approach where the client comes to us, um, says to us, this is what we want to find out. And instead of doing six cities in six days, we get all the different customer groups in one room once, not for an hour, not for an hour and a half, sometimes three, four hours. And we put out a series of problems that we want to, that the customer wants to be solved, and we let the different stakeholders, the customer stakeholders, solve the problems through a series of brainstorming exercises. And what comes out is um, usually doesn't have to be tested um, because your your customer testers are ever ready just giving you what they want. It's usually fresh. It comes from the customer's point of view. Since you have multiple different types of customers in the room, it's going to appeal to all of them. And and depending on what you're looking for, you can go directly from the results of that. They basically tell you how they want to be told and sold in their own words. And from there, if you're if the person's looking for a website, you can go create a website from that. Sometimes the information architecture in the website how you go about, how you maneuver through the website comes out of these sessions. Branding comes out of these sessions. Messaging comes out of these sessions. Um, content comes out of these sessions. Um, it depends what you're looking for. Sometimes, uh, you know, in a big company, you just want to take, a, take the temperature of your marketplace. Well, that's great. Sometimes a company wants, uh, wants to move towards an exit, and we help them towards that. Sometimes they want to build sales or launch a product or launch a company. So... Um, um, that's the basic difference. Um, we're focused on forming a relationship with the customer as opposed to here's a little bait, wham, you get hit with a sale. Um, it's, it's Customer focus is a little more different. It's like what do you need and let's give it to you. And they know who's sponsoring it and they know who's, what you're selling. So the selling becomes secondary to helping the customer find what they want. What... Uh what about the small business startup? I mean, uh, the mom and pop starting something out of a, an office in their home or whatever the case, uh, a case like that. I mean, let, let's face it, they're they're on a very limited budget. I mean, they are mm-hmm. just absolutely on a very limited budget, if any at all. Uh, and they're and they're looking to get something that's that old marketing on a shoestring thing. Uh, what uh, what kind of what kind of help can can you offer them? Not necessarily you, as far as for hire, but uh, what what kind of things should they be looking for, and what should they be contemplating doing as far as marketing is concerned? Okay, and as far as marketing, or as far as customer, um, as far as customer focused research. No, 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 no. Just as a, as a general marketing plan. Mm-hmm. What what 
Uh, I'm not not so much the customer focused research. I'm just <laughs> referring to a mom and pop trying to start a business, and they know that they let's say they're not lying to themselves. They know they need marketing of some sort, <laughs> uh, and they but they just don't know where to start. What what, what would you say to them? Um, well, I tell them to do you know find out what their product is. What are the benefits? The features are almost irrelevant. What are the benefits to the end user? Um, Pick up the phone or in some way get in touch with potential customers. Find out you're not selling to them, but you're really asking them what they think about what you, what your product is. Will you, you know, what will it take? What would it take? Oh, you're happy with um, uh, uh, company A? Well, what would move you to a company B? You know, what, what would it take for a different company to come in there and get some business from you? And get some basic answers. Um, and, and, and find out what they're, what they're looking for. And then, and again, it goes back to customer focus. Reflect that into your, into your messaging and reflect that into your um, website or your materials. And make sure that all your materials um, are, um, are consistent in all mediums at all times because that's, a, that's big for small businesses. You, know, it's, it's, you don't want to send out confusing messages by sending out multiple messages. Uh, you want to send out one consistent message, and you want to send out the right message to begin with because it's very expensive to start over. Uh, part of part of this marketing process, I think, is having to do with branding. You mentioned branding earlier, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of in passing. But um, what do you see as uh, the, the What's the right word I'm looking for here? What, what do you What do you see as uh, the brand with regard to? Does the brand come first or does the brand come second in the development of your business? Um, well, the brand almost has to come second because you have to know who you are and what your product is before you can brand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, with branding, uh, we have another phrase we use. It's not what you say. It's what they, the customer, takes away. And right. so we want to find out what the benefit is to the customer, and that goes into the branding. Um, and, again, you want to talk to the customer so that the, the customer, you know, helps shape your brand. Um, I tell a story um, uh, in my classes that um, uh, about branding. Um uh, look at what happened with Netflix. Look, look at the hit they took on their brand when they decided to um, raise their prices without, you know, doing any market research or anything. They pissed off a lot of people for a long time. And um, uh, another brand story we use is, um, is um, I know it's easy to take a shot at the airlines. Nobody's happy with any of the airlines, but all the airlines have branding. Continental has has a very look. United Air has a look. Delta has a look. JetBlue has a look. They all have a very strong brand. And um, Air Canada doesn't really have a strong brand. And what happened is, if you, if you keep looking around, you have a, you, you have a look for Air Canada. But um, among the Canadian population, I fly to Canada a lot, and I'm a Canada file, so I hear this through the Canadians. But um, if you go up to uh, Canada, the way the Canadians portray the brand of Air Canada is we're not happy unless you're not happy. <laughs> right. So your 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 market makes the brand. So you want to make sure you're in touch with the market and giving them and reflecting what they see in the brand. 
Um, it's not something that's done in silos, and it's not something that's done. It's, it's an interactive process branding these days. Well, uh, as Deborah says in some of the things that that she's written, uh, uh, brand your your brand is uh, the expectation. Your brand is is what people think that you're going to provide them, uh, and if and if they think that by mentioning uh, M and M's as an example, they're going to have this nice candy and the chocolate, and it's going to be a wonderful experience. If if that's what they're anticipating, based on the brand uh, and based on all the information and what think people say about the brand, then you're probably going to be much more successful, and that's what you have to maintain. And if you have a problem along the way, you've got to make sure you take care of that right away. Exactly, exactly. Actually, branding, branding. Um, uh, that was a good point you brought up. It, it, we have branding separated into four different, like, feeders that go into what makes a brand. And it, it, one of them is differentiating you from your competition, which the M&M's example does. Um creating a unique company identity and a personality, um, and forming an emotional attachment to the company. Um, a lot of people, I do a lot of farm of advertising, and, and doctors will say, no emotion, no emotion, we don't care, we're just looking at the science. But it's not true. There's, a, there's emotional attachment um, uh, that they form towards products and companies as well. And then you want to represent a proprietary position and a proprietary image. And all of those aspects go into... Um, into what your brand is, you don't want a um, you don't want a uh, a five dollar off coupon on a Mercedes Benz. It's it's not the right brand image. You want an expensive, classy image. Um, so uh, the the image has to match the brand. I have a I have one art director. Actually, most of my art directors, when I bring them in to meet a client who's going to and we go through a branding exercise and a logo exercise, a lot of times they won't even talk to the client. They'll just sit in the room and they'll absorb the atmosphere of the company. And yes, they're listening and everything, but they're they're operating with it right brain, totally right brain. They're not talking. They're just and they come away and they get an essence of what the client is. Who their client, who their customers are, and what the client is looking for, and a lot of times, when we when we get down to the logo exercises, um, which is integral to the branding, um, they just nail it, and it's it's, it's a real skill. Uh, I uh, I strongly feel that you have to protect, uh, assuming that you have a good brand, uh, you have to protect that brand at all times. I mean, you have to be very wary of what's happening to that brand and where that where that brand it's almost as if that as if that brand is something that you can touch and feel and hold in your hands and it, you you have to be very uh very uh, alert and aware of where that brand is going uh at any given time and what is being said about it at any given time uh what are your feelings on that no i agree I agree. That's why social media is so important. Um, you really want to um, be present, um, have a presence. If something is going wrong or somebody's um, asking for help or making a criticism, you want to address it immediately. Um, and you you want to yeah you want to know what's going on with the brand at all times, and you want to make sure that the brand lives up to its promise to the customer at all times. 
Well, that's something, and that's that's basically where I was trying to take that conversation. Uh, it's I wrote a, a very short blog one time. Uh, it's out there floating around somewhere. I don't even know where it is anymore. <laughs> but nonetheless, it, the the topic of it was that you can you can destroy your brand in a hundred a hundred and forty poorly chosen characters. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, and and the conversation went something along the lines of once you've put it on, committed it to paper, or in this particular case, Twitter or Facebook, uh, and it go and you hit send, uh, it's gone, and retrieval is pretty tough. And if you haven't looked at everything you said and all the nuance, uh, and you have the nuance exactly where you want it. Uh, you could be in trouble because people only see it, see the words on the paper. It's either black or it's white. They don't see your facial expression and your body language when you made, when you typed those words. They don't know if you're really tongue in cheek or not. They have no really real no way of knowing, uh, unless of course they know you very well. And chances are, uh, in many cases, they won't know you very well. Right, and additionally, um, particularly with the internet and Twitter and social media, is once it's out there, it's out there. You can't pull it back. That's right. That's it's right. It's there I mean, forever. <laughs> well, just like this, just like this radio show is a perfect example. <laughs> well, we well, it's, and we're laughing, and, it, and it's and it's true uh, because once this radio show goes up in the archives on Blog Talk, and it also goes up in the archives on iTunes, it ain't coming down. <laughs> now that's that's a that's a little extreme because I can go in technically and I can take it down, but uh, I don't know that it ever comes down off of iTunes. I think it still I think it still lives there in perpetuity. So uh, it's you, you really do have to be careful with what you're doing nowadays because I think there's been political speaking of political uh, season and and going to vote today. There have been political careers that have been ruined by what has been archived by various uh, means and people still have access to. So uh, it does live a long time. And it's, so if you don't want your, if you don't want your, uh, your opinions to be known, you better not write them down or you better not put them on video. That's for sure. (laughs) Precisely. It's like, you know, putting up, putting up a company or a, um, um, or a brand is a little like advising a teenager, you know, not to do anything stupid on the internet. Um, yep. There's a parallel yep. there because it's 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 going to stay there forever. Oh, exactly. You, I mean, you put your whole life out there, and if you're ever and if you do something stupid as a young person, uh, idiotic, and there's pictures of you uh, in a drunken stupor or something like that, and all of a sudden uh, people start researching you because you're looking for that high-powered job, they don't care that it was 20 years ago. Do you still do that today? Exactly. So, so it it just it can absolutely destroy uh, destroy your your brand because there's a personal actually, brand. there's a personal yeah, brand I, as well as a business brand, isn't there? I, exactly. I was just going to bring that up. Um, yeah, for a lot of startups, you are the brand to begin with. Mm-hmm. So what they, what people are doing, and again, it depends on the company, but um, particularly in a service company, you're the brand. Um, when people hire Holtzman Communications, they're hiring me, but they know the people that I work with and I'm sending over to do the work um, with me are as trustworthy as I am. Absolutely. And and that's yeah, your 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 brand is often you. Exactly. All right, uh, Sandra, I'm going to 
just take a few minutes here. I've got some uh, some messages that we play about halfway through, and we're just kind of at that point. So uh, let me do this, and we'll be back here in just about three minutes, uh, two and a half minutes or so, and we'll continue our conversation. Great, Pete. Boomer the Babe are the publishers of Boomer Series Books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer the Babe Network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering's another Boomer Series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play at golfmix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out Golf Mix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? at golfmix.com. The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000-square-foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the Food Bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we're back on the Boom of the Babe show. It is Election Day. It is November 6, 2012, and we're talking with Ms. Sandra Holtzman of Holtzman Communications. We're talking about business startups and uh, what they need to look at and some of the pitfalls, hopefully, that they can avoid uh, when they're trying to get their businesses started. And uh, we have a couple of more things that we want to make sure that we touch on, uh, Sandra. And then one of them that I have an interest in knowing more about is one of the points that you sent to me is uh, uh, your a, a business network and how do you use your business network. And I, and, and I want to talk about networking in two different areas. First of all, I want to talk about business network as I think you intended it here, which is accountants, attorneys, marketing firms, and so on and so forth, uh, and how they can help you and in the long run save you time and money. But I also want to talk about networking as a phenomenon uh, with regard to uh, networking events, weekly networking meetings, and so on and so forth. So let's start with the, the business network first. 
Oh, okay. Um, a lot of a lot of people, you know, if you're starting a business, you almost certainly need an accountant, and you almost certainly need an attorney. Um, you'll probably need at some point along the line a marketing firm or a PR firm. These are these become more than your vendors; they become ongoing relationships. And what a lot of people um, don't think about is, oh, I'm using this accountant, for instance. Well, the, the accountant, chances are, specializes in small businesses. So the accountant may have a good attorney for you. The accountant may have a good insurance firm for you. Your PR firm may know a venture capitalist or a, a, a banker who can make a loan for you. Um, uh, or uh, your attorney may know a good PR firm. It all people who work with startups and work in this area usually have very deep rolodexes and deep resources. And once you're working with one, they'll um, if you ask them. A lot of times they don't want to overstep their boundary. They're being hired for a particular role. But if you say, Hey, do you know somebody in this area? Or I have a need here. They may know people and may be able to refer you. So instead of starting from scratch, you actually have a pretty good network um, of people through the people you already know. Exactly. Um, and for going out and networking in general, um, God, I, everybody tells me I'm a great networker. I don't see myself as a great networker, but I guess I am. Um, I don't consider myself working a room when I go into a big meeting. Um, what I do is um, meet a couple of people. They look interesting, speak with them. Um, over the years, um, uh, the business card thing of like exchange business cards, um, I don't want to come home with a whole bunch of business cards that I'm not going to respond to. So what I do is speak with people, and if it looks like I make a really good connection, take their business card and follow up with them immediately. Um, you try not to spend longer than um, 10 or 15 minutes with somebody in a conversation because chances are you want to move on and chances are they want to move on. And um, and if you say that to them, they understand. They say, well, look, it's a pleasure meeting you. Uh, I'd like to meet some more people in this in this environment, and you move on. Um, there have been days, and, and if you're shy, um, my one piece of advice to shy people is I know this is this is not what you want to hear, but you got to get over it. You really got to get over it and bring yourself into the room. And, and, and on days when I feel low or tired or something, I go, oh, my God, I really don't want to go to this networking event. It's like going to the gym. Once you get yourself through the door, everything t everything else takes over. And sometimes that different energy attracts different people to you. Exactly. So it, 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 it's, it's um, you never know who you're going to meet. When, uh, when you give... Uh, or when you get a business card, when you receive a business card from somebody, what is what do you think their expectation is of what you're going to do with that business card? Um, well, uh, that's a difficult question because it depends on who you're meeting. Um, I, ha I have um, I'll get graphic and comical for a moment. Um, what I what I do is um, I teach a lot of startups. I teach a lot of classes, like um, uh, the Kaufman Fast Track class, and I teach uh, entrepreneurs in Fashion Institute of Technology. And what I tell them is, you really don't want to be, and everybody knows who this is because you've been to a meeting with somebody who's been like this. You really don't want to be what I call a dry humper. That's somebody who comes over to you and. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you do. They don't know if you're a potential target for their service. They don't know if you're a customer or you can refer them. And they don't know anything about you. And they immediately uh, um, buttonhole you and launch into 
me, 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 me. This is my company. This is what I'm selling. And it, it goes on for five or ten minutes. Um, when they give me a business card, 90% of the time it goes in the trash because they're not sensitive to me. They're not sensitive to the audience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when someone and I connect, um, um, what we'll do is they'll say, oh, I can help you here or I can help you there or did you know about this or I like your energy. I want to stay in touch. I don't know if we'll ever work together but maybe we can network each other or something like that. And I kind of leave it that um, there's uh, good chemistry and that I want to stay in touch. And then the follow-up, and a lot of people don't do this, but the follow-up is very important, is immediately after you get home or, or either later that day or within a few days that you send them a thank you note, you remind them um, of, of what their importance was to you. If, you. if you've promised to make some connections or introductions, you do that. Um, but you don't let it dangle. And it doesn't matter if, if 10,000 people let it dangle. You don't want to be the one that's let, leaving the other person dangling because that's really um, the whole point of networking is to follow up, to keep the person in your database, and hopefully to be, become helpful to them so that they think of you when something comes up that can be helpful to you. All right. You said something there that I find very uh, interesting. You say keep the person in your database. Uh, what do you physically do with that card once you bring it back to your office? Um, well, I have Microsoft Outlook, which is not the best database because um, it crashes a lot, but I have it and I use it. Um, I either give, give the card to one of my assistants. Um, I use the card immediately to write a thank you note, and um, and then either one of my assistants types in all the cards once a week or once every couple of weeks, or I actually type the card in. And when it goes into the database, I put down the event that I met the person on and the date. Um, and then what I do with my cards is I have a, a physical, uh, almost like a um, one of those little boxes people put recipes in. I yes. put business cards in. And with the fold, with the, um, um, they're usually index cards, but um, I use the dividers and write the events and then put the business cards behind the events so, because I work chronologically. I go, oh, remember I was at that event in July, and then I'll go back to the bus and I'll go, July, that's it. This is the event. These are all the people I met. That's what works for me. It doesn't matter what system you have that works, I think, as long as you have a system and that it works for you. Do you use that database then once you have them in there, you've got their email address and everything, do you use that database to send them uh, information about the business or just general in good information about business in general uh, to keep in touch with them on a regular basis, almost like a newsletter? Um, no, um, because um, uh, you really need people to opt in to have that. Even though they gave you your cards, there's an assumed opt-in there. But technically it's not, and if you start sending a lot of emails to people, um, what, your server, what your server will do or your uh, Internet um, connector will do is recognize that and, and list you as a spammer. So you really need people to opt in um, so that you can contact them. Having said that, um, uh, there are people in my database I don't contact for years, and they're just there, and then there are people in my database that go, oh, this would interest so-and-so, let me do that. Um, and stuff like that. So I don't know if that answers your question per se. Well, it it it, it does and it doesn't. Uh, I have five thousand people in my database, so I don't <laughs> I don't I don't do blast emails. <laughs> I guess I am a good networker. <laughs> I guess so. 
I guess so. <laughs> I'd like to. I wish I had five thousand in my database. Uh, that there, there are. How do you get? Uh, how do you suggest that a business get their gets their message out to the masses? Uh, is it? Uh, and here, this is a, a little bit of marketing. Back to the marketing aspect, I think. Is that the fact that you think you should just uh, get it out on Twitter, get it out through Facebook, get it out through your groups? Uh, what what should you do? Um, well, a couple of different ways. Um, I blog. I blog on two different places. So you have a blog that should refer people to your website, or in my case, my book. Sometimes, on my website, every time I do. Uh, Every time I do uh, some kind of speaking like this, it'll it'll be up on my website, although this particular event wasn't because of the hurricane. Um, everybody in my team is in the New York area, and so um, we've been preoccupied with other things. But um, there'll be a history of this that'll go into um, onto my website, which is a little more labor-intensive. Um, but um, I'll tweet. Um, I, I, what you want is a consolidator. Um, I, have, I use Hootsuite. And what that is is it takes Twitter, Facebook, and I'll get back to Facebook in a second, and LinkedIn. And you can send one blast to all the people you follow um, at once by using a consolidator like that. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Now, let me go back to Facebook for a second. Um, I have personal friends on Facebook. My, I'm in a bowling league. My bowling buddies, people I went to elementary school with, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, extended family. Um, and then I have the Holtzman Communications Facebook page, which is a professional page. And so if you're um, starting a company, you really want to separate a product page from a personal page. And you can do that on Facebook. Um, uh, Twitter, I don't know how many accounts you can have, but um, that's basically the way you, you um, get people going. Um, on LinkedIn, um, yes, you want to make a message. You want to put in a message on LinkedIn, but you also want to join groups on LinkedIn so that when you have something of interest to a particular group, you can announce it to them. Um, also, when you do tweets and when you do any kind of information, it's not just talking about yourself. You want to make yourself valuable to other people by giving them information that you're um, you have your finger on the pulse of. So yes, it's you sending it out, which makes you valuable. But sometimes the information isn't selling your product or your service or yourself. It's it's sending information that you think your audience will be interested in, and that gets more people to follow you, et cetera, et cetera. The uh, what what we do in our particular instance is we have an online magazine uh, that we send out every four to six weeks, uh, mm -hmm. and it has articles that are written by on different topics that are written by others besides ourselves and we're i mean in there are some advertising uh like a, like any other magazine and some of the advertise and the advertising that's in there a, a certain percentage of it is about us and what we do and so on and so forth but it's in there in the form of an ad and the information is what's surrounding all of it uh well, and you just brought up an excellent point, if, if I can interrupt you for a second. Sure. Um, on your online magazine, you have articles written by other people. Correct. So it's value It's value to other people. It's not just you and your perspective. It's other people's perspective. So you've, you've created a community with that magazine, and that, right. adds va and that brings value to the people who are reading it. Exactly. Uh, one of the one of the things that I I know that small businesses and I, when I say small business, I mean small business in the sense of a mom and pop, maybe one or two part time people, uh, maybe a, 
uh, a virtual assistant type of a thing or, you know, that type of, I mean, a small business. One of the things that people, I think, have a, a difficulty doing is building that list um, and, and getting people to opt into their list. How do, you, how do you build a list? How do you create that list that you need to have uh, as your lifeline like you've eventually gotten to with 5,000 people? Um. Well, you ask them to opt in, um, but you have, you want to have something. It's it's that's a it's a great question. Um, uh, you want to either have a blog, which makes it easy um, uh, for people to follow you, so that way they automatically get the blog every week or every you know, assuming you if it's a mom and pop, it may be every two weeks, it may be once a month. But you want to send out the blog on a regular basis, and that brings people into you. When you go on Twitter, you want to follow people who are of interest to you, and a lot of times they'll follow you back. That's what hashtags are about, too, on on Twitter. Um, The hashtag is a subject at the end of the tweet, which gets your message exposed to different people um, or different groups of people. So if I'm sending out um, like a business plan contest, um, I'll have a hashtag that says funding uh, or another hashtag if, if it's a business plan contest for Every business, then I'll have small business. If it's the fashion people, there's a hashtag for New York fashion entrepreneurs. So um, what you want to do is send out that to a lot of um, different hashtags. And what happens is you get listed under that subject. The hashtag is essentially a subject. And your tweet gets listed under that, and that's how you pick up followers too. Um, but but the easiest way for a mom and pop is really um, to sit down um, a blog can only be, you know, you can do a blog for 100 words, 200 words, whatever. Um, pick 20 or 30 topics, especially if you're going to do it weekly, and just start writing them and make sure you go weekly. And then news events bring come up that bring up topics and, that you want to address as well, and you just keep doing that and people will follow you. Um, and then you just alert the people on your list, hey, by the way, um, and your email should have um, all your emails should have all your Twitter links, all your social networking links, your blog link, um, all that information so that people can follow you. And you can ask them, you know, hey, it was great meeting you the other night. Um, we talk about this uh, a lot, you know, the subject we were talking about. We talk a lot about a lot in our blog. Uh, why don't you subscribe? Or why don't you, if you go on Facebook and you make a uh, business page, there's a chance to call in all your personal uh, friends or other people and ask them your contacts and ask them to like your page. So you start building that way. Mm-hmm. If you're selling a product, it's different. For services, for mom and pop services, that's the way I would do it. And is there a guaranteed ROI, return on investment for that? Not necessarily, but what you're doing is building your brand and you're building, you know, I walk into rooms and I go, hi, I'm Sandra Holtz. Oh, I've heard of you. Oh, do you know how? And they go, no, but I've heard of you. Oh, we heard you're good. We, we, we you know, so it's like people know who I am even without me having met them or without me having um, necessarily put out any information. It's, it's personal people. And, again, that's the networking thing. Um, the more you go out and the more you uh, reveal yourself or you get involved with other people, word spreads about you in a community and the brand, your brand starts to build. You want to be nice. You never want to drink too much. You never. This is, I tell this to people in college, but I'll tell this to all business owners. You never want to walk into a networking session where you've just had garlic, onions, anything where you say hi, and and the smell of your breath 
you know, flattens the 10 nearest people in front of you. over. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you know, it sounds silly and stupid, but, you know, I see a lot of grown people doing that, and it's like, oh, you're very nice, but I don't think I want to, you know, uh, I don't think I want your card. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, still, it's a dumb, silly way to lose context. You want to be pleasant to people. You know, if the person is a total moron, the person does not know what they're talking about, the person never got out of second grade in their brain, you don't want to insult them. You don't want to be hostile. You want to be nice to everybody. It doesn't mean you have to go home and be their best friend. It doesn't mean you have to follow up with them. But you don't want to do anything negative because that's burning a bridge. Exactly, exactly. Well, it, it's interesting uh, when when you were mentioning uh, walking into a room, uh, or, or being there, and you say, "Well, they say, well, I, you don't know necessarily how they know of you, but they say they've heard of you." We have a certain amount or element of that going on as well. Uh, you know, you, you fill out the little name thing and you put it on, or you have a badge and you, you put it on with your name and, and your affiliation up over the Babe Show or whatever the case might be, and they go, "Oh, I've heard of you." You know, and then there's exactly. always the guy, there's always the guy or the or the woman that's going to say, "Hey, Boomer, where's the babe?" You know, and <laughs> and we get that uh, a fair amount of time in it, and it's nice to get it because you know that there is some amount of recognition and by virtue of how it's being said, uh, they are recognizing recognizing you in a nice way, not in an obnoxious way. Exactly. And let me, let me just say something. Um, uh, uh, babe is a lot of times interpreted as sexist. I don't yes. think so. Um, I, I belong to, I don't have a PhD, but I belong to a group of women scientists for a while called Babes with PhDs. Um, and um, I, I think there's a group of, of uh, uh, former um, investment bankers or something from Wall Street of women, babes of, of uh uh, of a particular group, it's like I think that's great. I think I think it's a fun way to um, recognize people, and and it, it's exactly what you said. Hey, where's the babe? You know, it's it's, it's a very sweet way to do things, and it, it's it's a nice um, memorable name. Well, it's it's it really gets uh, it goes a little beyond that too when we're there together, uh, and if we happen to be standing next to each other when we're having a conversation with somebody uh, and we introduce ourselves, somebody will look at the card and say, well, all right, which one of you is the boomer and which one of you is the babe? And, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll look at Deborah and she'll say, well, you want to be the babe today? I go, well, I guess I could be. You know, and we we have that little byplay between us, and people are like, oh, that's nice. isn't that sweet? Uh, but I mean, we exactly. have fun with it. We have fun with it, and uh, you have to. And that's and we had some concerns, and I I know Deborah voiced the concerns herself, and she came up with the name and voiced the concerns, and she says, <laughs> I imagine she said I imagine some people might take offense with calling, you know, me being called a babe, and I said, well, if you don't think. If you think that's the case and you're concerned with it, then we'll find something else. But it turned out that uh, people don't take offense by it. Uh, she readily goes goes by it uh, when she's out by herself. Of course, it's always Deborah. But when we're together, it's Boomer and the Babe, and that's just that's just the way it is. Um, and then if I'm by her by myself and I and somebody says that same question, are you the Boomer or the Babe? I says, if she's not here today, I'll be the Babe. Uh, <laughs> So, so I mean, we 
<laughs> we have little ways of having people remember what we are and who we do, who we are and what we do, I should say. And that's the other thing. You have to have a sense of humor. Yes. You really you have to have a sense of humor about what you do. Um, I own the company, okay, and I don't walk around flaunting, I'm the president or anything like that. When I go into a market research session like I was talking about, um, I have uh, actually the guy who really invented it, um, he, does, he leads it. And I come in, and all I do is there's a lot of note-taking because uh, notes go up all across the room, what people say, and I do all the recording, and I call myself Vanna White. And everybody you know, everybody says, well, you're on the company. I go, yeah, but I'm Vanna today. And it's like it just takes the onus off the seriousness, and it's it's like it's playful. takes the edge off. It definitely takes the edge off. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's one more thing I want to get to. We're wrapping up here. We're getting down to the short rows, as they say, out in farm country. Um, and uh, I want to make sure that you have plenty of time to give your shameless self-promotion which we'll get to just before we go off but the last thing I want uh, some information from you about is why do you see that boomers have an advantage over younger people in startup companies today um, oh, that's a great question. Um, thanks for asking it, Pete. Um, uh, I think boomers have a huge advantage and um, because they, they're older. They have the life experience. They've been through it all. Um, a lot of times an older person, and I don't mean that pejoratively, but somebody with a little gray hair has seen it coming. They've done it. They know where the pitfalls are. They, they, they see... Um, their vision isn't myopic. They can see down the road and say, well, you really don't want to do it this way. There's a, or I've seen that. It doesn't work. Or, or um, um, uh, oh, here's somebody who may be perfect for this spot that we want to hire, but you know what? Personality doesn't work. Um, they just have so much more life experience that they bring to the table. Um, and, and, and a lot of times they don't even know it, but they have so much more life experience. And, and that really um, it allows them to, it gives them a leg up. Because these startup companies make all these reinventing the wheel mistakes. You don't hear about it, but you hear those mistakes over and over and over again. Or you know that they're being made because they're kids starting a company. And they just they may have the technical skills, but, you know, life is more than technical skills. And running a business is certainly more than technical skills. So um, I, that's why I think um, boomers really have um, more of a 360 on stuff and a deeper 360, like they can see further out and see um, uh, see consequences of things that may or may not happen. They're a better judge of character, um, uh, stuff like that. I, you know, sometimes I go into a meeting and I'll see somebody and the person has um, moron written in neon across their head and it's like, when I was 20 or, or 19, I would go, oh, yeah, business, business. Now I go, I don't think I want the business. I know this is going to be a problem. And and, and that's a, a function of, of of experiential wisdom. Exactly. And I also, uh, I, the, the story of how we became the boomer and the babe is uh, exactly some of that uh, information uh, that you're talking about uh, because we – we were dealing we were dealing with uh uh one of these uh people that um uh we were going to be talking to about representing us and it was a very young person and the this very young person uh decided that uh we had to have what she called skin in the game and uh before she would represent us rather uh, rather than going out and and doing 
the way we wanted it, frankly, was we wanted to have the doggone thing done as uh, on a commission basis, substantial commission. And uh, and she just didn't have the experience to realize that uh, she wasn't always going to get it the way she wanted it to be. And we got tired of dealing with young people, very young people, and we decided <laughs> that we were going to deal with our own age, and that's how we became the boomer and the babe. <laughs> Sometimes it's ignorance with arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. There definitely is. Well, I, I tell you, it's 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 amazing, and and that kind of and that kind of an experience uh, that we had right there is also the type of experience that that boomers have along the way, and that's that's how we uh, come to some of the positions that we come to is because it is built on that experience. Exactly. Exactly. You know, sometimes in that particular situation you brought up, it's like my way or the highway, and it's like sometimes the highway is the right way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and we instantaneously, after trying to talk with her in a very civil way, uh, decided that we were going to take the highway. I don't. We didn't really care what she did. She could stay there and drink Starbucks coffee for the rest of the day. I didn't care. <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless. Well, Sandra, this has been a really fun hour, and it's gone by really quickly, but I'd like to make sure, like I said before, that you give your shameless self-promotion. So tell us anything <laughs> you want about how people can get hold of you and what oh. they can, uh, uh, how they can hire you and, and to do whatever it is that they may need. Well, first of all, um, anybody who calls in from this show um, or writes me um, gets a free hour of consultation. Um, and we specifically work with startups. We understand they don't have a lot of money. And sometimes they just need a little bit of advice. Sometimes they need a little push here or there. Um, we don't sell whole packages or anything like that. I mean, I'm a startup too. I've started three companies. So they can reach me at um, uh, holtzmancom.com. That's H-O-L-T-Z-M-A-N-C-O-M. Dot com, or um, and don't be put off by all the pharmaceutical stuff on the website. Um, I do a lot of work in different areas, but pharma people like to see only pharma. Um, or they can email me at sholtzman, S-H-O-L-T-Z-M-A-N, at holtzmancom.com. Um, my phones are out at the moment, but my phone number, when it comes back, and this is due to Hurricane Sandy, um, thank you for not making any Sandy Sandy jokes, um, <laughs> is 212-414-0780. Well, very good, Sandra. Uh, thank you again for, for being the guest today. I do appreciate it, and I think our listeners uh, will get a lot of good information from it. Whenever they hear it, whether it be here, have heard it here live today or if they hear it on the archives, uh, and uh, you and I have discussed how you can use it for your purposes as well, and we hope you, that you, we hope that you do. So with that, we'll just, we'll just say goodbye, have a great day, and I uh, uh, hope everything uh, goes well for you and everybody else in New York, and I hope you can uh, make a speedier recovery from the dilemma uh, than maybe you were thinking you were going to. So with that, we'll just <laughs> Thanks leave, so you, much, Pete. <laughs> we'll leave you with good thoughts. Thank you. Thanks again for being our guest. Take care now. Bye-bye. And that has been Ms. Sandra Holtzman from Holtzmancom.com, all about helping startups get themselves together, put their products out in the marketplace, and hopefully make a little bit of money in the process. So it's all about trying to get to the bottom line. 
especially dealing with baby boomers. Uh, she works with baby boomers quite a bit, and she understands that baby boomers really do have an advantage when it comes to starting their own companies. So with that, we'll say goodbye today. We'll remind you, go vote if you haven't already. You don't have to listen to me anymore. Go vote. Have a great day, everybody. I hope the person you're voting for is the person that's going to win, uh, whoever that may be. Take care. Have a great day. Show where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 